welcome to the Philly Breakdown. We are live from Vail, Colorado at the Lodge at Vail, a rock resort. Listen, I got my robe on. I'm sipping on a hot cup of joe. I got my vacation flip-flops on, and I have a huge, no, cancel that, a colossal show for you guys that includes two special guests. We break down the Philly series win versus the New York Mets. The Sixers get it done Tuesday versus the Celtics. Flyers continue to be hot and cold, and it's also Masters Week. I'll tell you my favorite to win in the odds on FanDuel. And I have two special guests, like I said, joining me on this episode. Flyers specialist Danny Gus and live in studio Sixers specialist Camille London. Camille, Camille, say hello. Hello. I'm so pumped for our Sixers discussion coming up. But first, I love a good tailgate for all things Philadelphia sports. Whether it's in the parking lots of Citizens Bank Park, the Link, the Wells Fargo Center, or at a family event. Me and my fam like to start drinking early and getting things flowing. And this year hit me hard. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I can't keep the same energy all morning throughout the game and post-game party drinking beer first thing in the morning and early afternoons. If you're running into the same situation as me, I found the solution with Sunday's Bloody Mary Mix based out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. My friends from Sunday's Draw me off a jar of their mild Bloody Mary mix. I had it this morning before I got on the flight to Denver, and my God, how delicious. My in-laws and I are Tito's people. Tito is our amigo. You throw a shot of Tito's into an eight ounce of some of Sunday's Bloody Mary mix, it's the best way to start your day at the park or on vacation. Every Sunday, the crew at Sunday's make it their mission to set out and find the best Bloody Mary in town, and it always turns out they end up just going back home. Sunday's Bloody is a locally owned and operated company. Go check out their mild and spicy flavors, and go give them a follow or shout on Insta or Twitter at Sunday's Bloodies, or check them out on their website, www dot sundaysbloodymary.com again that's www.sundaysbloodymary.com and let's jump into some phillies all right let's start with the phillies phillies monday they get the game win five to two to improve the four to zero mets ace jason agram versus phillies number four matt moore DeGrom had a chokehold on the Phillies hitters until the Mets did us a favor and took him out in the seventh. DeGrom did DeGrom things as normal, allowing three hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts in just 77 pitchers. And then, like I said, the Mets manager pulled a Gabe Clapper and said, your night's over. And at that moment, you can feel the momentum switch, and the Phillies hitters woke up. When DeGrom left the game, it was 2-0, to zero, and the Mets bullpen survived until the eighth inning when everything basically collapsed. The Phillies scored five runs in that inning, and it started with a bases loaded Bryce Harper hit by pitch, followed by a J.T. Romulto single that ties the game up at two. Alec Bone then hits a chopper to third. The third baseman tries to be a hero and throws it home. Wrong move. The ball goes flying. Two runs eventually score. It was an electric, an electric inning for the Phillies. And then heavy hitter Jose Alvarado comes in, top of the ninth. He struck out the first two batters, and I started to get comfortable and ready for bed, putting on my jammies, and then he started to get a little shaky, to say the least. He allowed a couple runners on base. One came in to score, but it turned out to be harmless. He got it done, and they start the season 4-0 for the fourth time in franchise history. Winner of the week goes to Mets manager Luis Rojas for pulling his ace to Grom, who's a top pitcher in baseball and a likely option for NL and National League Cy Young winner. 
again after 77 pitches in his first start of the season. Much appreciated. And loser of the week, Adam Hazley. He didn't think I was going to say anything about him, but can you catch the damn ball? I thought I had bad eyesight, but Jesus Christ, where the hell is Mickey Moniak? Adam Hazley sucks. Roman Quinn can't hit. Let's see what mix got. You know, our first round pick, first round, first pick in 2016. It can't be what's worse than what's it can't be as bad as what's on the roster right now. That's what I'm saying. And I hope Joe Girardi made Adam Hazley do laps around a damn stadium after that. Just making the city look bad and shit. All right, Phillies Tuesday, game number two of the series. They lose eight to four. First loss of the season. We all knew the Phillies weren't going to go undefeated, right? But my problem is deeper than that. And we'll get to that in a second. But you've got Marcus Troman on the mound for the Mets, who did his thing. I ain't going to hold him. Versus Philadelphia's Chase Anderson. Anderson gave us five innings, three Ks, two earned runs, two walks. He gave up more than expected. I mean, and what can you expect from a five rotation guy? He kept the Phillies involved, and that's hard to do versus a hungry Mets lineup. I mean, he didn't do it all. He got some backup from Didi. Didi hits a nuke to center field, making it 2-1. to one. And then here comes our guy, fucking Vinny Velasquez, in the top of the six. And hold up. First three batters, he survived. In fact, he strikes out, he strikes out the side. What galaxy are we in? And then boom. Seventh inning comes, walk after walk after walk. The Phillies should have got him out of there, but then ultimately allowed four runs in the seventh, and there he is, old boy Vinny that we're used to. And here's my takeaway. It's not even Vince. I mean, yeah, he sucks eggs, but it's Joe Girardi taking his sweet-ass time getting somebody up in the bullpen when at the time it was a one-run game and Vinny was out there throwing meatballs. By the time Kinsler got in, the got in, it was it was over. Vinny allows the four runs. It was cooked meat at that point. Seventh inning is in this in this game. It was just disappointing. Altogether, it was disappointing. The seventh inning, manager wise, pitching wise, and I feel bad for Vinny. Like I said, we've seen him come up in the system. He had a shining spot early a couple of years ago. We thought he was going to be a rotation guy, but it's just falling all downhill. Disappointing, and you know the Phillies' offense didn't impress me this game either. Other than Didi's bomb, Harper 0 for 4, Roman Quinn <laughs> 0 for 3, my God. And they left a lot of runners in scoring position. They went 1 for 11 in scoring position to be specific. More than I was com- comfortable with for sure. Maybe just an off night, but it's still upsetting. I don't want to see off nights. And the, the whole game was pretty much upsetting. And, and it's upsetting from the start. And this is what really gets me is the manager... As you've probably heard throughout the week, Joe didn't exactly put his A team out there. You know, Reese got the day off. Brad Miller started started in his place. Andrew McCutcheon got the day off. Matt Joyce got the start for him in left field. And I I get what the Phillies number I get what the Phillies number five coming out versus the Mets number two. It's early in the season. Maybe you wanted to see what other players had. I get all those arguments. But what about the argument that the Phillies are four zero to start the season? Where's the argument that Reese is 28 years young and it's game five? Where's the argument that the Phillies, after a whole offseason, are resting players after a 4-0 start on a Tuesday game when they have an off day on Thursday? And maybe it's just me, but it seems like Girardi didn't put in importance to starting 5-0. And that bothers me. 
Every game matters. How many times have we seen the Phillies miss or make the playoffs by one, two, or three games? I guess it really just, it comes down to Girardi just didn't go for it. Like, let's see what these guys got versus Stroman, especially when you can say they got schooled by DeGrom the night before. And again, especially when Reese and McCutcheon, they sat, but they ended up getting at bats in the game anyway. Like, what? I just need better decisions from the manager. 5-0 and for the first time in 106 years to start the season? That sounds pretty cool to me. But I digress. All right, Phillies game three versus the Braves. Wednesday game, after losing 8-4 to Tuesday, the Phillies have an offensive explosion, beating the Mets 8-2 to and winning the series 2-1. to It was Phillies' S- ace, and yes, I still call him an ace, Aaron Nola versus David Peterson. You know, neither pitcher came out with their best stuff. They both only go four innings, with Peterson throwing 78 pitches and Nola throwing 92. It was a sloppy game all around. Nola got into trouble early, especially in the third inning, but damage, damage control was the key for Nola. He didn't make it to the fifth inning. But at the same time, only two earned runs, which was straight damage control, like I said, with how many pitches and people on base he had going through four innings. It was ideal. But definitely not his best performance, especially considering the Phillies offense was providing support, which is very, very, very rare when Nola takes the mound. But what about Reese Hoskins? I told y'all about Reese. He controls the tempo of the team. Reese hits a bomb in the first and boom, we're off and running. Harper follows up with a double. JT gets a walk. Then Alec, boom, more like Alec, bomb. Good Lord, hits a nuke off a three-run home run, making it 4-0 in the first inning. Then we jump to the fifth. Reese, my boy, comes through again and doubles, followed by Bryce Harper. Bunt, you thought I was going to say bomb, but no. A bunt single from Harper, and the boys at the top of the lineup were in sync. You already know Harper told Reese, bro, if you get a hit, I'll bunt. And Reese said to him, you won't. And he did. And then big brother JT Rumuto, first pitch, bang. Another nuke. Oppo from JT. So natural. Such a natural hitter. Like, like a, a natural thing for him to go oppo from our catcher. And the leaders of the team have a good showing. And then our bullpen comes in and handles the rest of the situations. Connor Brogdon, Archie Bradley, Alvarado. Just couldn't be happier about the bullpen this year. The Phillies are 5-1 and one so far this season. If we have the bullpen we have from last year, we're 3-3, three and 2-4 three, and four at best. And with that being said, you saw the series. You saw the, the Braves series and you saw the Mets series now. Two teams that were supposed to start will be better than us in the division. And you see what the Phillies have. Red October watch is in full. In fact, in fact I'm getting binoculars at the gift shop tomorrow. That's how infect the watch is. An exciting new series versus the Atlanta Braves starting Friday, and we'll cover that on Monday's show, but super hyped for the Phillies. All right, and let's jump to our first place Sixers. God, I love saying that. Our 76ers got the season sweep versus the Celtics, winning the game 106-96, and Beeb continues to just absolutely dominate. 35 points, 16 from 20. From the free throw line, Danny Green chipped in 17 points, going 5 from 6 from 3. I love seeing that. Good shooting from the Sixers. But here to discuss everything Sixers, my Sixers inside 
specialist, Camille London. Let's just get this out the way right now. Camille just so happens to be my fiance. Yes, we are engaged to be wed. But she's not on the podcast just because she's my fiance. Don't get it twisted. She's on the pod because she knows her damn basketball. She knows the Sixers. She has all the information. I knew she was the one for me when she talked to me about how much of a baby back bitch LeBron is and that he'll never be better than Jordan. She also serenaded me with Ben Simmons' generational talent talk. And it was a damn wrap for me from there, guys. So, Camille, we're excited about him being back healthy. He's playing well. The Sixers beat the Celtics. We feel good about that, right? I feel very good about it, honestly. I love the banter between him and Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers shared during his interview that Embiid came up to him and said, I'm back. And he said, I noticed. I love that confidence. So back. He excludes to everybody, and it just picks up the team. Um, Even with the recent injuries, he still comes back better than ever, um, putting up MVP numbers, and you can't ask much more from him. You can't. No, I'm excited, and he's our guy. He's the Philly gem. He's the king of the city, like I said before. But tell me more about this Sixers team. Are we Break down some of the players. Do we like? Uh, do we hate or like Ben Simmons right now? Right now, I am not liking Ben Simmons, to be honest. Um, he puts up little numbers. In the last six games, he's only put up 64 points. That's a little under 10 points, well, a little above 10 points a game. We need more from him. Granted, his defense is astronomical, but... Defense, you need to have offense (laughs) to do anything with the playoffs, especially with the East. Um, The Nets, with James Harden, KID, and Kyrie, not to mention Miami Heat. They're looking good. Um, Mm. They're starting up. And then even the Bucks, like Giannis, he he puts up numbers. So we need a little help. We can't just be all in bead, like... Especially Ben Simmons being the second all-star on the team. We need need stuff from him. No, absolutely. And when you talk about... Just not being off, just not being defensively. I mean, it's an offensive league. If Embiid's out, I said it last time on the podcast. If Embiid's out, we all these teams can easily beat us because you see what the team is with Embiid and without. Yes. And it's unfortunate that Ben Ben can't be that second All Star, even though like he loves being an All Star. But I feel like Embiid, Simmons. He only ca- he only steps up his game around All Star time, and then once he gets his All Star, you know, accolades, he he, he falls off. I. I honestly don't know if it's like a mental thing. He's preparing for playoffs. But even the playoffs past, we've seen him still be stagnant. I love the fact that Tobias Harris steps up when we need him. Granted, he only had 10 points this last game, but his defense is there, and he still facilitates the ball pretty well. Um, his energy is there, and Danny Green and Seth Curry still there, giving us what they can. Uh, it's just Ben. He needs to step up more. He really does. I don't know if it's mentally right now, but ever since the All-Star game, he's, he's just been declined. Yeah, he's been ass. Let's let's just say he's been he's, <laughs> he's been, been straight ass, he's yes. been straight ass since All Star <laughs> game. Definitely not what we need from him. And at this point, I'm thinking Tobias is our second best player. Oh, absolutely. I want the absolutely. ball. I, I want... enjoy watching him. I want him to have the ball when he gets to his sweet spots. It, you know, it's cash money all day, all day. Yeah, for real. All right, Sixers do got just about a little bit over 20 games left. Where, where do you see them finishing? Still first in the East or? I'm hopeful that it's still first, but I would take second or third at this point, especially with the way Ben's been playing. Um, Danny Green's been on fire with us lately, but Seth Curry, he still is a little shaky in some points. Um, Dwell and B can't be Superman all the time. Mm. Granted, we want him to, but he needs help. He he's does. Fra- he's fragile. He does. Too. Put it in perspective. The last, like I said, the last six games, he's only Ben Simmons has only had 64 points. 
Joel Embiid had more than half of that in one game. <laughs> in one game. Oh, we man. need more. We need more. Yeah. Tobias needs to step up a little more, even if just spreading the floor more. Um, I don't know. Um, I will take second or third, honestly, especially with the juggernaut of offense that the Nets have. Um, I would take it. Yeah, no doubt. I would, too. I would, too. I don't see them dropping all the way down to three, uh, but definitely it's it's concerning. We could drop to number two. Are you scared of the Nets? And they're, they're three-headed monster. You know, you got Harden, Kyrie, and, of course, KD. Are you scared of them if we have a healthy Embiid, though? If we have a healthy Embiid. I mean, it's definitely I'm, concerning, but... It's concerning, but I'm not scared of them, especially in a series play. Yes. I'm not scared of That's them. That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not scared of them either because altogether, KD's played, I I don't know the exact number, but he's played under 20 games this year. He hasn't. They all haven't played together, and they're all fucking divas. Harden's a diva. He's fat. Kyrie Irving, he can just take a vacation any week and not just and show not up. Just, and KD, uh, he's... he's KD won't show up playoff time, but it's the fact that is the rest of the team. And Blake Griffin, I'm not worried about Blake Griffin. Uh, who is Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin can't years. dunk. Come on now. He can't dunk. I mean, he can, but he can't. So, yeah. No, I'm not scared of the Nets. Who, who, in, uh, who else? Altridge. Altridge. Oh, LaMarcus Altridge. Yeah. yeah. I'm not scared of him either. Fuck the Spurs, they acted like they wasted Fuck his career too. a little bit. He yeah. stayed there too long. Yeah. He got too old. I don't, I'm not scared of them, especially with the way our defense has been. Um, they're all about offense. They don't play defense, the Nets. Mm-hmm. So, if we can just balance it out. I know Doc Rivers, he's been here before. Yeah, he's had he championships under his belt. Mm-hmm. He knows how to handle divas. He knows what to expect. So, I have my confidence in Doc Rivers, if anything, as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the Ben Simmons thing is so, you know, disheartening to me. Doc should have just been like, bro, stop. I feel like. Stop it. <laughs> he's too nonchalant about what yeah. Ben Simmons said, is doing. He said in the interview on after the, I don't know, was it Celtics? It was later, a couple games ago, he said in an interview, I'm not, because the media was coming at him, because mm-hmm. they're like, the media said, Ben's not scoring points, what's Ben's problem? And he said, I don't see a problem with it, basically, and you guys are more concerned about it's a it problem. It's a problem. It's a problem, Doc. It's a problem. It's a problem, Especially doc. point guards now in this league, they're scoring machines. Scoring we machines. We need, we need him to score. And it's more disappointing because every time I, I love Ben, you know me, I love Ben yes, Simmons. I was have. on the Ben Simmons bandwagon yes. for forever. But you know what? I'm fully off. I don't like this guy anymore. <laughs> He's messing up the team. Uh, and it, it's more that, all right, Ben is a generational talent. He's great when he wants to be great. But it's the fact it's the fact that he's a first-round, first-overall pick point guard. Yeah. That's what the problem is. We're just not getting the production we should be getting from a player like that. Do you agree? You know I what agree. Saying? I absolutely agree. We need more from him. Like I've been saying this whole whole interview, um, it's it's unacceptable what he's been doing lately. This turned into a Ben Simmons I know. Right. But, I mean, but that's what the Sixers are. I mean, that's what the Sixers' problem is. It's Ben Simmons' thing. Since we're talking about it, what do you think about the non- trade factor the trade down line came and went ben simmons was you know named in a bunch of packages are you glad or happy or now that you see the results past the trade down line should we have just went and made that move to trade him see the thing is like i his defense is so great that i don't know if he would have mm. traded him and got somebody who had defense up the standards as him yeah. you know what i mean we yeah. could have put points up but who's like we need that balance right to keep people off the the scoreboard Mm-hmm. I, I I like him staying. I do. I feel like he still can grow a little bit more. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, we've been saying that the last couple of years that maybe his shot will improve. But 
I, I, I still do like him staying because he has great chemistry with the guys. He still facilitates the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he still gets to the basket when he needs to. Yep. Being aggressive. I love seeing that. When he that. wants to and when needs he wants to. to. When he needs to. Definitely not in crunch time, though. We saw in the playoffs he can't be the starting point guard. When it's the half-court offense, Ben is non-existent. No. He really is non-existent. No. And you know what? You said the thing about the defense, and we're glad we kept him because of there. When we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and KD, KD is a scoring machine. He's been a scoring monster. Yeah. Ultimately, the best scorer in NBA history. If anybody, anybody's going to shut him. down KD, it's going to be Ben Simmons. It's Ben Simmons. Absolutely. And so I guess, yeah, I see your point. I'm glad he's here. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to the Sixers? We've got a couple games coming up, but. Um, I'm just excited about the Sixers, especially with the new people, well, the youth that they have, like yeah. Maxi and Maxie's Milton. I love watching them play. Don't forget about their the shots. Beast, the beast, uh, Bible. 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 Oh, no, I can't. I was getting there. His defense is amazing. The energy he brings to the defensive side. He's always moving, always has hands up. I'm excited about the youth. I'm excited how what they're going to bring to the table, especially when playoff time comes around. All right, yeah, and we're getting there. We're getting into crunch time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sixers have two matchups versus the Pelicans tonight, actually, and the third tomorrow. We'll cover all that on the next episode. But, all right, Camille, this was great. I'm glad we did this. Uh, I'll see you now when we get off. But, <laughs> yeah, this was great. Yeah. Sixers specialist, Camille Lunder. Give her a shout on Facebook, Twitter. Oh, you're not on Twitter. You're I'm on not. Insta. Instagram. You're on Instagram. Insta. You're a Twitter hater. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a Twitter hater, All yes. right, great insight from our specialist, Camille. Uh, all right, say bye, Camille. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we're getting towards the end of the show. Uh, just a quick FanDuel Sportsbook Masters update. Just some big names after the first uh, day. It happened yesterday. Just a quick recap, some big names and how they finished. Uh, surprisingly, we're going to start at the top. Tied for 56, uh, plus four, Rory McIlroy. Weird to see him up there. Same thing with uh, Sergio Garcia, plus four. Tee times today, right before noon, 11.24 and 11.48. Uh, let's keep growing, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Brooks Kapta. And Dustin Johnson tied for 36. They're both plus two. Kepka starts off at 11.12 a.m. And Dustin Johnson 11.36 a.m. Uh, that's really the big names, surprising big names, uh, outside of the top ten. But here we go. We're jumping into the top ten. Justin Spieth, I mean Jordan Spieth, excuse me, uh, under two, tied for seventh with my guy, my sleeper pick, Patrick Reed, the 2018 winner, under two, noon tea time. Watch out for him. And then your winner so far, solely first place, under six, the Englishman, Justin Rose. Now, Justin Rose, if you bet Vandal, he's plus 600 right now. Jordan Spieth, plus 650. Justin Thompson, plus 700. But here's the FanDuel Sportsbook game changer. This is, this is my book. This is an easy money right here. Patrick Reed, plus 1,200. Tied for six, like I said. You put $100 on Patrick Reed, that's $1,200 in the bank if he wins. I'm going for it. I'm riding the Patrick Reed bus. Two-time Green Jacket winner, hopefully at the end of the week. But that's who I'm going with, Patrick Reed. $100 down, $1,200 in the pocket. But here's the sad part. This was a successful podcast. This was going great. I know I said I had a Flyers specialist and a Flyers interview, a kick-ass interview with my guy, Danny Gus. But the first blooper of the podcast, you know, this is a semi-new podcast. This is the third episode. I messed up. Me and Danny recorded on Wednesday after the second Bruins game. It was a kick-ass interview. went well. I'm out on vacation enjoying myself. I'm putting the podcast in. I'm editing. I'm doing my thing. 
That's why the podcast is so late, because I'm in Vail. I was in a plane, you know what I'm saying? The layover, my legs hurt. I go in to plug in the podcast, and I don't see the interview. I accidentally deleted it. Fuck. I'm my own producer. I'm. If anybody wants to come and produce the podcast, let me know so this doesn't happen. But I'm sorry. To Danny especially, and then the rest of the Flyers guys who were waiting patiently for a Flyers update. That's my bad. Uh, the Flyers lost Tuesday. They won Monday. That's really all I got. They they lost in overtime last night, 3-2, in a shootout to the Islanders. I had all this broken down. We had a great interview with Danny, and it's my fault it got deleted. But next week coming up, sometime early next week, Danny gets his own episode. A Strictly Danny Gus episode. We talk all Philadelphia sports, Flyers, Phillies, Eagles, everything. Uh, but that's my fault. And that damn near ruined my vacation. My apologies. So before we get to the end of the weekend, Sixers have two matchups with the Pelicans tonight and the Thunder tomorrow. Uh, that's really it. I think that's really it. I think the Flyers play at the end of the week, but I don't have my specialist here to tell me that. But listen, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow the pod on Facebook and Twitter at Philip Breakdown. That's again at Philip Breakdown. And I appreciate you guys. Thanks. And I'll see you next time. Woo!